introduce it. Um, the message tonight is entitled, Waiting with God. Not waiting for God, not waiting on God, not waiting, but waiting with God. And what I'm going to share with you tonight is something that he has revealed to me over the years, especially this past year, about his way for us to wait. It's completely different than the world's way. As I, uh, there's two or three scriptures that I'm going to be sharing tonight that have been on my list of what I've been feeding my own heart during my healing journey, and I'll point those out as I come to them. Um, I think everybody here probably already knows about my journey that I've been healed of. Guys, come closer. Push those chairs closer. You're way too far away, or this way, or that way, or something, but you got to get closer. But anyway, I've been through my own journey of healing. I've been healed of stage four lymphoma in the last, um, in this past season. So I was diagnosed in September last year, and I got my all good report in April. And I, God just walked with me with such, such grace. But he's the same God for you. He's the same for all of us. So I'm going to be sharing some of my journey and that, that waiting with God process tonight. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, we're going to spend quite a bit of time tonight in worship and in praise. Because as we're in that process of waiting with God, putting our face on him, face to face with him, is so integral. And especially worship and praise. Getting your eyes off of the problem. Getting your eyes off of the pain getting your eyes off of the doctor's reports, getting your eyes off of all that stuff. And worship is one of, at least for me, one of the number one best ways to do that. So we're going to spend a little more time in worship than we usually do, and I'm going to do a little less time talking than I usually do. You can believe that when you see it, right? <laughs> but let's stand up. We're going to start with a song. This is called While You're Waiting, and it's an old song by John Waller. It's really awesome. Good. You'll notice I'm going to give you a real big preview of later. I've given you a list of worship songs that are specific. It's on the back of your sheet. We're going to kind of close with that. But that are specific for, at least for me, for that, that believing God for the answer before you've seen the answer. Believing God for the victory that he has already given us. Believing God for the for the strength that you need, for the help that you need, for the healing that you need, for the freedom from pain, for the freedom from oppression, whatever it is that you need. Believing him in the midst of your journey. And the songs that I've listed are songs that are close to my heart. You know, I might have a different style of love of music than you have, but there's so many beautiful songs out there. And to get a song that speaks your heart, where your heart is just lifted up to the Lord, and these songs are specific to this, this um, message that I'm teaching about staying connected with God, believing him for the answer before you've seen it manifested in your life. So that's just a preview. But we're going to go back to the front of the page. I'm going to start with this scripture. This is Mark 11, verse 24. This comes in that same account, in that same scripture, where Jesus is talking to his apostles about faith. He tells them, have faith in God. And then he tells them to speak to the mountain and to tell that mountain to move and believe it in your heart without doubting. That mountain will move. 
And then the very next line after that, Jesus says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. I want to talk about those two phrases. Believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Believe that you receive them literally means believe that you have taken them. Jesus already paid for it. He paid for every promise in the Bible through his passion, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. He paid for it all in full, every promise. In 2 Corinthians, um, I don't know the exact verse, it says that every promise has been fulfilled in Christ. And God says, I say yes to them. I say yes to those promises. They've been fulfilled, and I say yes. And we are to respond, amen. That means, God, I agree with you. I believe you, and I agree with you. So this first part of the scripture says, believe that you receive them. Believe what the word says. Believe that you've taken it. And that is done in the spiritual realm. That's important. Because you say, well, Cindy, believe you've taken it, but I'm still have a diagnosis of cancer. Well, it's in the spiritual realm that you're taking it. You're taking the gift that Jesus has paid for. But the next part says, and you will have them. And that's referring to the natural realm. When you believe that you have taken it, the promise that you've declared, that you're agreeing with God, that you're saying amen to, when you believe that you've taken it, then you will have them, have that promise in the natural realm. Today, though, we're going to talk about the comma. Because the comma is the waiting time. The comma is the time between when you have taken it in the spiritual realm and when you have seen it manifest in the natural realm. The truth is truth. That word is the word of God, and the word of God is absolute, and it is truth. And Jesus said that when you pray, believe that you've received the promise that you've asked for. Believe that you've received it. Believe that you've taken it, and you'll have it. That's, that's truth. But the, the variable is the time, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let me give you some, some really good news. Hebrews 6, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read two beautiful scriptures that give us a little more information from God's word about, about the receiving part. But we long to see you passionately advance until the end and you find your hope fulfilled. I'm going to pause for just a sec. I can say that from my heart. That's why I'm sharing this message. Because I passionately desire, I long to see you passionately advance until you see your hope fulfilled. That's why I'm here every Tuesday night. And with joy, with love, with excitement, with zeal. Because I long to see you, every one of us, in any area. And it might be in multiple areas. But I long to see you and me and Kent to advance, to see our hope fulfilled. Sorry, my mints popped out. <laughs> Verse 12. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or to lose enthusiasm, but 
follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and their patient endurance. Two factors. Jesus said, have faith in God. Believe that you've taken those promises and you'll receive them. But in order to receive it, we have to not grow dull, not lose our enthusiasm, not waver, not be thrown off, off track, not become weary or disheartened or discouraged or disillusioned and say, well, I'm you know, giving up. No, because it also takes patient endurance. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Hebrews 10, verse 35 and 36, listen to this. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence. That's your faith. For it has a glorious and a great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. Underline that part. Without compromising the word of God. Without compromising. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the 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 disease says, or the, the statistics say, it doesn't matter. And when we don't compromise God's word, when we don't say, well, we have to balance out the doctor's report with God's report, oh, no, no, no. God's report wins every time. God's report is higher. God's report is more real. I'm not saying that the facts aren't real. They are. But God's word trumps it. And things change. And so I'm going to continue reading. For, for you have need of patient endurance. I'm going to start again. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and a great reward. For you have need of patient endurance. There's that word again. To bear up under difficult circumstances without compromise, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. That's your word. That's my word. This is one to take home, put it in front of your face, meditate on it, read it, encourage your heart, and say, God, this is your word. I'm getting excited because this is your word. And you tell me that when I stand up without compromising, and when I carry out your will, that means I'm agreeing with you. That's his will for me. Agreeing with him. Not agreeing with the, the, the devil's stupid plan of stealing, killing, and destroying, but agreeing with God. Then I will receive, I may then receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. I remember meditating on the word of God last winter. I remember being in the, my mother-in-law's house because we were homeless for six, eight months. When we were having our new home built, it wasn't homeless. I had my mother-in-law's home. But anyway, I was in my mother-in-law's home, and I remember meditating on the Word and getting so excited about what God was saying to me. What, it's His Word. It's your Word too, guys. It's His Word for me. It's His Word for you. And I would get so excited with the promises in this Word that my eyes were on the prize was there. It was mine. It was finished. It was, it was a done deal. The healing, the manifestation of healing. There was no question. The, the, the only variable was my journey to get there. And I, there, it, it was, it was um, 
filled with peace. It was filled with encouragement. Some of it was filled with absolute joy. Not all of it, but some of that journey was absolute joy. And the only way that that could possibly happen is because of the promises that I had my heart set on, my eyes, my vision set on. So this, this variable, this variable of the weight, of the time factor, is only a variable for us. It's not a variable for God. Because in our um, realm that we live, in humanity, we have this, this dimension of time and space. Our lives have a beginning and, and a continuum and a timeline and a finish when we pass into heaven. And then, of course, we have eternity. Thank you, Jesus. So my baby girl, Serafina, she was born in this world on June the 10th. That's when her timeline started. And she's one month old. And even in one month, I could put some little ticks on that timeline of things that she has grown in and things that I have seen. And Because that's what happens. That's what we do as humans. If you've had children or grandchildren, I'm sure you've done timeline projects with school, right? Lots of history and timeline projects because that's what we do in humanity. But here's where our problem is. We get stuck there. And God's not in that dimension. In God's spiritual realm, there's no dimension of time or space. Let me read two scriptures to show you what I'm talking about. I'm sure these are familiar to you, but I think that will just help you to get to take a step outside of the factor of time. Time doesn't really mean anything. God says through 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, he says, nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice, my beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, you might look at that and say, well, that's about salvation. Did you know that healing is intricately connected to salvation? You can't disconnect them. 1 Peter 2.24, who, Jesus, who bore our sin in his own body on the tree so that we could die to sin and be alive unto righteousness, comma, by his stripes you were healed. It's not two sentences. They're not separate. The second clause is directly connected to the first. You can't separate them. The, the, the uh, church out there does that. They're, that's misinformation. That's wrong teaching. They are intricately connected. You cannot separate healing and every other facet of salvation from forgiveness of sin and eternal life. So this scripture, God wants us. He's patient for us. He's waiting us to, for us to agree with him. He's waiting for us to agree with the fullness of salvation, including healing. He's patiently waiting. Come on, baby girl. Agree with me. Believe me. Let me 
be your father. Let me be the Lord over your healing. And when we give him lordship, when we let him love us, when we let him take care of us, everything changes. You might not see the manifestation today, tomorrow, or a year from now, or two years from now, but he's with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he is patient, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And that word repentance doesn't mean groveling in the dirt, crying and saying, I'm terrible. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is running to Jesus. Repentance is letting God in to your life. He's waiting. He's ready. I didn't let God into my life because I didn't know better. I hadn't been taught. He was very distant in my life until I was diagnosed with cancer, until I had a situation that I couldn't fix on my own, that I couldn't take care of on my own. That was in 2002. But when I fell in love with the Lord and when I let him in, everything changed forever. And that's what he desires. But it's not a one-time thing. He wants us to constantly come to him, to constantly rely on him, lean on him, run to him. Here's another verse about no dimension of time in God's realm. Psalm 90, verse 4. For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. So time in God's realm isn't a factor. So I pray right now, God, for us to let go of thinking in terms of when, God, when. And start to just fall in love with you in a new way. Depend on you in a new way. Um, let you be an integral part of our journey of healing. Invite you in and receive all that you have in the midst of the journey. In Jesus' name I pray. So we're talking about waiting with God and not waiting for God. I'm going to start with a scripture, and then we're going to look at the word wait in the Hebrew language. The scripture I want to read is Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. I found this scripture this week, and I was so excited. I know it's been in my Bible forever, <laughs> but I just found it this week, and it is so awesome. Listen to this. For this reason, the Lord, the Lord is still waiting to show his favor to you and to me so he can show us his marvelous love. He waits to be gracious to you. He sits on his throne ready to show mercy to you. For Yahweh is the Lord of justice, faithful to keep his promises. So here I am meditating on this. I'm just seeing God, <laughs> my good, good daddy, just hanging out, waiting, saying, you know, I'm here. It's all done. The work is finished. You want to come and receive it? You want to come and take this precious gift that I have for you? My grace, my mercy, my promises. And then the next verse, there's a shift. Listen to this. Overwhelmed with bliss, happiness, joy are all who will entwine their hearts in him, waiting 
for him to help him. So God's there. He's done all the work. The work is finished. He is, he is, there's another verse where it says that he is, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to draw a blank on the word, um, where he is waiting. He is, he is um, uh, sleepless. can't remember the word in the King James. But he is sleepless, waiting for us to just agree with him and believe him. And then it says, when we entwine our hearts with him, when we are connected with him, that's when he's able to help us. That's when it, something comes together. And that word entwine is the word that we're really going to zero in on. Because the word that, that is, entwine their hearts with him and wait for him, the Hebrew word is kwava. And that's the word we're going to delve into right now. It's spelled Q-A-V-A-H. And I gave you bunches of notes of this on your paper because this is amazing. This is something to take home and feed your heart with. Kwava. It means to wait or to entwine. So the word kwava means binding and connecting our hearts to who God is and to his promises. Do you hear that? Binding and connecting our heart to God. So that's what wait is. It's not the way the world waits. Waiting with God is a connection, a heart connection, face to face with God, entwined as one with him. The Hebrew concept of waiting on the Lord is never a passive thing, but it's active. And it's full of hope and expectation, expectancy, patient endurance. There's this expectancy that rises up in you. And the time factor isn't an issue. Let me say that again. The time factor isn't an issue because that expectancy is in your heart. It doesn't matter what's going on at the doctor's office. It doesn't matter what's going on in your body because you're connected with the God of this universe who has promises for you. And there's, there's no no to a promise of God. And if you've ever heard that, it's a lie. God doesn't say no to his promises. He doesn't say maybe. He says yes to every promise. He says yes. So we are to be entwined with him. The word in the concordance, the definition is to wait, to tarry to hope, to trust. And the word hope means confident, joyous expectation. To hope, to trust, to expect, to be patient. There's that word again. And to remain in anticipation. That's a whole lot different than waiting and saying, when, God, when? There's an expectancy. There's an anticipation. There's a joy knowing the answer, knowing the final word. The correct way to hope and wait for the Lord is to steadfastly expect his mercy, his salvation, and his rescue. And while waiting, not to take matters into your own hands. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Not to take the matter into your own hands. Now, I'm not saying not to go to the doctor. That's not what I'm saying at all. But while you're going to the doctor... Be entwined as one with the Lord. The, the image that I, I keep getting as I'm meditating on this weight 
is that of conceiving, conceiving a baby, conceiving a promise in your womb, in your heart. When a woman conceives a baby, she doesn't deliver immediately. If she did, that baby wouldn't live. When a woman conceives a baby, there is a time of incubation. There is a time of nurturing and growing that baby in the womb. That baby needs time. That baby needs nutrition. That baby needs the mother to be healthy and whole. And then, at the right time, the baby's delivered. That's the same as what I'm talking about today. The promises of God are finished. They're done. We take them. We take them into our heart. We believe them. We trust God. And then we fertilize. We nurture that promise in our heart. We feed it. We let it grow deeper and stronger and deeper and stronger and deeper and stronger until you're ready to deliver the promise. The time factor isn't, it's not going to be the same every time. It doesn't matter. That part doesn't matter. Because in the midst, so much is going on. We're going to talk about that in a minute. All that's going on in the middle of your journey. But let's look at some more. I gave you, I think, five scriptures that have the same word, quava, in it. I want to just encourage you with what God says about waiting and what comes with waiting with God. Psalm 27, verse 14. This is one of the scriptures I've been meditating on for the last year or so. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. That's the word quasar. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. That's my God. He will never disappoint you. It doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. It doesn't matter the time factor. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. That's what matters. He's not going to disappoint you. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Psalm 62, 5. This is the second scripture that I've been meditating on for the last year. I am standing in absolute stillness, silent before the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my savior and he will not fail me. He will not fail me. That's his word. Psalm 31 verse 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage as you wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Strength and courage. Confidence. Knowing that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's all side effects, good side effects of waiting with God. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait patiently for the Lord. My soul expectantly waits, and in his word do I hope. In his word do I have joyful anticipation of good. That's why I, have, that's why I got excited. That's why I could get excited in the midst of a cancer journey healing journey. That's why I could get excited because of his word and what his word said. It gave me a lot to get excited about. 
I chose to believe his word instead of, you know, the doctor's report being the final word. Micah 7, 7. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. No question about it. He hears me. He's a good father. He listens. He hears me. So waiting on the Lord is waiting with him, staying connected, expectantly waiting, like an expectant mother waiting to give birth. So I want to share with you before we move on, I want to share two, um, two concepts that I have experienced um, during my seasons of this quava. I didn't want to use the word wait. Quava, staying entwined with God in the midst of my journey. The first one is what I call divine delays. Divine means God does it. It's not just a coincidence. It's not just my calendar. It's God ordaining my path in an amazing way. Divine delays. Divine delays have happened to me many times. And at first I didn't realize what they were until I looked back in hindsight and I could see what God was doing in the midst. Because sometimes in the midst of it, you feel like, Maybe it's not a good thing to have a delay. Like, especially in the, and I minister to a lot of people with cancer. And a lot of people with cancer, it's like everything has to go super fast or they're afraid that cancer will grow and something bad will happen. But that's not what I've lived, that's not what I've experienced at all. Because I didn't have fear in the midst of my journey. And what happened to me, I'm going to go back to my very first journey. I've been healed of cancer, stage four cancer, twice. Praise you, Jesus. And the first time, um, I remember every time I had a delay. I had just, just been introduced to God. I was just starting my journey. I was like a sponge, couldn't get enough of Jesus. And every time I had a delay, I would say, because when I had a delay, it meant no treatment. You know, nobody wants cancer treatment, right? And so it meant no treatment for a while. And every time I had a delay, I would say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I need time. I need time. That's what I said. I need time. I wasn't afraid of cancer growing. I knew I needed time because I was falling in love with the Lord. I was coming to know him. I was coming to know his promises. And I knew enough. I didn't know. I, I mean, I, I can't say my faith was super strong. But I knew enough that God said, believe and you'll receive. And I didn't know how to believe. That was a big deal. How do I believe without doubting in healing when the doctor's given me a death sentence? And I knew I needed time. I needed time to learn how to believe. I needed time for that word to change my heart. Now I know what it's called. It's called renewing your mind. Now I know what it's called. The Bible says that we're transformed, that the old becomes new. But I didn't know any of that then. All I knew was I needed time to figure this whole thing out and to let God help me in this process. And he did. And he did. I remember one of the big divine delays was near the end of my first healing journey. Um, uh, it was in the month of April. I was diagnosed in February with stage 4 melanoma. That was 20, almost 20 years ago. And in April, the doctor gave me three options. And one of the three options was exploratory surgery. After prayer and seeking peace, I decided to do the exploratory surgery. I'm not going to go into all of the other details. But 
I went to schedule the exploratory surgery. It was in April. The surgery couldn't be scheduled until the middle of June. Now, I supposedly only had six months to live. I was diagnosed in February. And it wasn't, I wasn't able to get an appointment until the middle of June. And you know what? I was excited. I didn't get upset. I didn't get mad. I didn't say, oh, no, what's going on in my body? I said, yes, more time. And that's exactly what happened. I had the time to grow. And by the time I had that surgery, I knew that I knew that I knew that the report of the Lord was mine and that by his stripes I was healed. And I was. <laughs> I was completely healed. When they did the exploratory surgery, there was not one cell of cancer in my body. And that was the evidence that the doctors needed to cancel everything out. All of the positive biopsies, all of the positive PET scans, all of the positive CAT scans, all of the lumps and bumps and stuff that they had in me, that they'd seen in me before, canceled out, gone, no more cancer. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But that was a divine delay. Looking back in hindsight, I see that because that doesn't happen. That's not what happens in the medical realm. That was God. The second thing I want to uh, share with you is maybe not quite as black and white as the divine delays, but it's in, in my life, it has been uh, uh, life-altering, life-changing. And that is, uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about this season that I just have come through. Um, it started in September, and I was completely um, healed in April of this past year. I was diagnosed the day that we moved out of our our last home. It was a beautiful home, but we were downsizing. And then we moved in with my mother-in-law for all of those months, and we moved into our new home on April the 30th. So I had those months. I never even counted them up until I was preparing for this, because time isn't a factor. It doesn't matter. But it was about eight months. And during that time, it was as it was very much looking back, it was a wilderness season. I had a stage four cancer diagnosis. I had treatment, cancer treatment. I had COVID in the midst of that. I wasn't in my own home. I was um, looking towards this new home, but wasn't there yet. I mean, there was a lot going on in that season of my life. But this is what God spoke to me just this past Sunday. And it just went like aha moment for me. He said, in your darkest seasons, that is when the light shines the brightest. Think of this. Many of us have cell phones with a flashlight on them. I don't know about you, but sometimes I accidentally turn the flashlight on. And if it's in the sun, bright sunny day and that flashlight's on, I don't even see it. I don't even know it's on. It doesn't do any good. The sunshine is so bright, can't even see that flashlight. But if it is dark, if it is pitch black, and you turn that flashlight on your phone, it will light up a huge area, right? What God showed me is that that season that I was in was kind of a dark season. But his light shone so brightly, more brightly than I had ever experienced in my life. 
the light of his promises, the light of his word, the light of his love for me, the light of his presence. It was so much brighter. And I love the Lord with all my heart. But in a, in a, 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 like Pat said when she opened, this is the day God has made and I will rejoice in it. That's how I live my life every day. So I, I don't have seasons very often where, that are difficult. But what God showed me in the midst of it, I didn't even feel like it was a dark season. I didn't even feel like it was a dark season. Why? Because I was entwined as one with the Lord. And I had expect, expect, expectancy, expectation of what God was going to do in that journey. It didn't seem dark. But the reason I know that it was is because the light was so bright. His light was so bright during that season. And that's for you too. That's a word for you. Expect it. Expect the word to just shine so brightly in that area of your need. Expect God to give you discernment. And whatever it is that you're needing discernment about. Expect a peace that passes all understanding when the world is in chaos. Expect to, to have that knowing that all is well when everything looks like it's crazy in every area of your life. Because that is the light in the darkness that we have the benefit of as a child of God. And that's not just for me, that's for you too. And it's really, really good. So I'm going to move on to the next point, and that is while you're waiting, there's a whole lot going on that you're not aware of. You may not have seen the full manifestation of your healing yet, but there's a whole lot going on spiritually, in your soul, in all kinds of areas in your life. James 1, verses 2 through 4. Probably you don't really like this scripture much. <laughs> but when you look at it from a different perspective, it's really good. God says, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance. I'm going to pause there for just a minute. Do you notice it says the testing of your faith through experience? God doesn't test you. God doesn't give you cancer. God doesn't give you pain. God doesn't give you anything that's bad. But there's stuff like that in this world. He says in John 16, 33, he says, there will be trials and tribulations. But be confident, Count, be, be joyful, because I have overcome it. I've overcome the world for you. I've deprived it of its power. I've given you victory over it. That's John 16, 33. But this scripture says to count it all joy when you're going through those experiences. Because those experiences, they do test your faith. But what does it do? It, through that time, through that experience, it produces endurance. Remember the two keys, faith and endurance. It produces endurance. But then it says, let that endurance have a, a, a do what it's supposed to do. Um, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work 
so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Now that word perfect um, is better um, uh, said as perfected. That's what's happening. You're developing, you're, you're growing, you're being perfected. And boy, any of you who have gone through a journey of, it doesn't have to be a healing journey, any kind of trial, and you do it with God, quava, with God, that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. You're developed, you're built up, you're stronger now than you were then. You have a testimony now that you didn't have then. You have something that you can give freely you've received. Now you can give it. You can share it. You can be that light in other people's lives when they have the same issue. Because you've been built up. You've been, something has happened. And it's good. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he answered me. He answered you. And this is what he says to us. My grace is always more than enough for you. Do you hear that? More than enough. It's not just enough. It's not barely enough. It's more than enough. And my power finds its full expression. You guys want to know the power of God? In full? I do. Do you want to experience the power of God in the greatest degree possible? I do. It says here that his power, the power of God, finds its full expression in your weakness. It is perfected in your weakness. So Paul says it, and I'm going to say it. I celebrate those seasons. I celebrate those times. Because when I'm in the midst of those, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ in me. Now, I'm, I don't want to go back and do it again. No do-overs, God. But I will say that. I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ in me in those seasons. That's his word. That's his love. That's what a good daddy does. Think about a sick child, a, a babe. When that baby's sick, if it has a fever, earache, or whatever, it gets extra love, extra tender care, extra everything, right? That's what mamas, that's what daddies, that's what grandmas and grandpas do. They just give it more. That's what our Father does for us. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. This is another one of my scriptures that I meditate on constantly. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he doesn't become tired or grow weary. There's no searching of his understanding. So that, those four lines talk about God, our amazing God. He's certainly an amazing God. He doesn't get tired. He knows everything. He understands everything. And then it says, He gives strength to the weary. And to him who has no might, he increases power. And then the next two verses talk about the world without God. People without God. People not waiting with God. People trying to do it on their own. Even youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. But those who wait, those who quava, that is the word quava, those who wait for the Lord, 
who expect, look for, and hope in him will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Yay, God. That's for me and that's for you. When we wait with God, when we stay connected to him, in communion with him, face to face with him, like a daddy holding his baby face to face, he'll give us strength. We won't grow weary. We won't give up. We won't be disillusioned. We need to stay entwined with God, though, and not with the world. We have an option. We have a choice. This isn't the world's way. The world's way is to stay and to do things the world's way. But God has a better way. And it's to stay entwined with him and not with the world. So we're going to close with a couple more thoughts and then we're going to worship. Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Don't grow weary. Those seeds, those promises that you've conceived, they're in there. You're pregnant with them. But you need to nurture them. When a seed is planted, you don't produce a harvest the next day. It takes time. And that's what God is saying. Don't allow yourself to get weary. Know that the harvest is coming. See the harvest. Envision the harvest. Know that it's your harvest. Know that it's a good harvest. If you plant corn, you're going to harvest corn. If you plant corn, you're not going to harvest prunes. (laughs) Try to think of something not so luscious. Same thing with the promises of God. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Thank you, Jesus, that he gives us good gifts. But we need to watch over them and and let them just settle in our spirit. But if you're getting weary, if you're disheartened, if you're discouraged, it's it's pointing to your heart. It's pointing to your focus. And it's a sign that you're focusing on the world, that you're probably entwined with the world, with the doctor's reports, with what the, what, what the world says instead of what God says. I, I use the analogy of an MRI. In the natural, an MRI looks inside your body to see what's there. When I was diagnosed with lymphoma, I had, first I had x-rays, and then they moved to the next level, which was CAT scan, and they moved to the next level, which was MRI, and then they moved to the next level, which was PET scan. So I had scan, 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 more scans. And when they scanned, they were looking to see what was going on in there. And there was, they saw a bad report. They saw, and I won't go into too much detail, but they saw tumors and all over in the place, in my bones and in my lymph nodes. And that's what the MRI purpose was. Let's talk about a spiritual MRI. We can have an indication of our spiritual prognosis. We can have an indication, just like an MRI gives us an indication of what's going on inside your body when you can't see inside your body. A spiritual MRI can give you an indication 
of your spiritual prognosis, of the manifestation of healing or not. And this is, this is what it looks like. If your attention is on the world, if your attention is on the problem, the diagnosis, the pain, the symptoms, if that's what you're talking about, that's what you're thinking about, that's your whole, you know, your focus, it's a bad report. It's a bad spiritual MRI. And your prognosis isn't good. But if your attention is on God, and I'm not saying that that's all you do 24-7, but in the midst of your life, if your attention is on good, if your attention is on good things, the word praise and worship, um, the, the good report of the Lord, and you're not thinking about all of the, the negative things, and you're putting those things aside, God tells us that we can take captive thoughts that aren't in obedience to Christ. He wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't do it. If your focus is on God's word, God's promises, and you're entwined as one with God, that's a good MRI. That is a powerful MRI, and it points to a good prognosis. Now, as I'm speaking this, I'm thinking back to my journey. I didn't even think of cancer. I didn't even think of it. I was, I told you that whole season. I mean, I was in my mother-in-law's house. I had a lot of time. I didn't spend my time thinking about what ifs. I didn't spend my time thinking about cancer. When pain was screaming really, really loud, I got up out of bed. I went into the prayer chair. I put on worship music and I praised and worshiped my God with a heating pad on my back and Tylenol in my mouth. <laughs> but it was, it was like my heart went right to God. It propelled me to God. If I was fighting fear, I would run into my prayer room and I would get scriptures and I would start meditating on the word of God and I'd come out uplifted. Warfare. Yes, I made a choice. But my choice was to stay entwined as one with God. And I went days, I went hours, I went the majority of the time without even thinking of cancer. Even when I went to the doctor, even when I was driving to Chicago and Kent and I were in the car, we were praying, we were praising, we were doing scriptures. While Kent was driving, I was meditating and he was meditating with me while he was driving. You know, we were making phone calls to kidlets and grandbabies and, you know, whatever. I wasn't thinking about what was going to happen when I got to the health center. When I was in the infusion room, it was my spa time. It was literally my spa time. I have a big book bag with all my stuff, my journal and my Bible and my scriptures and, and my music. And, and I was, God was just wowing me. I would sometimes forget to pray over the chemo stuff because I was so busy just immersed in God. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go through stuff the way the world goes through stuff. And my prognosis was realized. No cancer, healed, made whole. And that's not just for me, that is for every child of God. Every child of God. He loves us so much that he took those stripes on his holy back to free us from all pain, all sickness. 
every bit, once and for all, not to come back, not to, not to cycle around, not to do whatever the doctor says, but to completely heal us forever and forever. Divine healing, divine health, and divine life. That's his will for us. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. So what are you doing? <clears throat> I'm just going to close with two questions. Are you entwined with the world, doing things the world's way? And that might include filling your time with busy stuff like TV, Facebook, YouTube, etc. Or are you entwined with God and spending your time? You know, God had me write a book during that season. Not quite done. It's almost done. But that's what I did. He put it on my heart. He said, do it now. Don't wait. And he gave me the time. <laughs> and I... I chose to stay entwined with him. And he anointed it, made it easy. You know, what is it that you're doing during your time? Maybe making phone calls to somebody who you can encourage. Maybe um, uh, something that, that blesses you. Um, something that he put on my heart during this season was to start playing piano again. I loved piano when I was a kid. My kids, I have two professional musicians. And I have a beautiful grand piano sitting in my living room. And I never played it. So he put it on my heart. Start playing it again, Cindy. What is it that he's stirring in your heart during the season that is fruitful, that is good? Maybe it's cooking. Maybe cooking for your family or maybe cooking to give to people. You know, what is it? What is it that you love to do that you can do to fill your time with what is good? And, and Jenny's saying, are you crazy, lady? I don't have time to breathe, let alone. <laughs> oh, as I'm saying, I'm saying not everybody's retired like, like we are. But anyway, so let's, let's stand up right now. We're going to worship again. We're going to put our hearts on God because this is one of the most powerful things you can do while you're waiting is to put your eyes on God and worship and praise.